Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. continue the series divinely designed that Pastor Ethan has been in. But before I do, this is the week before Thanksgiving. So I thought I would tell you a funny story from our family that kind of has to do with Thanksgiving. Not all the way, but a little bit. So in my family, we say, let us bless the food. Does anybody else say, let us bless the food before you eat? And so we say that. And so my cousin, he was in high school and he was the quarterback of the football team. And the whole football team decided to go out for pizza after the game one night. And the coach called on my cousin and said, hey, why don't you stand up and just give thanks? And he was like, you want me to stand up and give thanks? He said, yeah, just stand up and give thanks. And he goes, okay, um, well, I, I want to thank the off- offensive line for protecting me during the game. And, and the coach stopped him and was like, no, 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 I mean, like, give thanks for the food. So now you all know if someone says give thanks, they really want you to just pray for the food and not thank all the people in your life, your parents and all your family and everything, okay? All right, well, today's message, I wrote all of the points and the title in personal form. And not because I want this message to be about me, but because I'm actually expecting you to take notes. So whether you are doing it through the version app, the Bible app, and you're joining us there, or you have your phone and you're going to take notes on your phone, or you are old school and you have pen and paper, that's how I am, and you're going to write this down, I want you to write it down to mean for you, okay? So today's title is, What About Me? What about me? Maybe you want to put your name in there, but the question we're asking is, what about me? Oftentimes in a series like Divinely Designed, we could come to this moment where Pastor Ethan's talked about the potter and the clay, and we could think, yeah, 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 that's great for them. That's great for the next season of my life. But because we were born selfish, we all seem to ask the question, well, what about me? Does that apply to me? I'm just a student in school. Or does that apply to me? I'm not married with kids yet. Does that apply to me because we're empty nesters now? Does that apply to me because I'm in the business world and I don't work at a church? Like, does that apply to me? And so today I want to look at Jeremiah's life and I want to just pull some truths from it that I do believe apply to every single one of us. And so I want to start in Jeremiah 1. We're going to start in verse 4. It says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my word in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. And so I want to pull just three truths out of Jeremiah's life. And the first one is found in verse five. And so the first point is, I am appointed by God. Remember, this is personal. So I'm not telling you that I am or whoever seen it on this platform is. I'm telling you, you are appointed by God. No matter where he's called you or placed you, you are appointed by God. 
Now in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, I'm going to read it in the ESV version. If you've been here for a while, Ethan always calls it the Ethan Standard Version, but I'm not going to read it from his version. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version. And that is, before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. That word consecrated means to be set apart, dedicated for worship, a service of worship. It means to designate for something. And the other word in that passage was appointed. And that word appointed means to provide with what is necessary, to be fully equipped. This verse says, before I formed you, I fully knew you. And I love this thought because here's what the Lord is saying. You are not an afterthought to him. Before he even started to intricately create you in your mother's womb, he thought about you. He cared about you. I think sometimes we think of the Lord as maybe a scientist who's in a lab and he's coming up with an experiment and all of a sudden, uh-oh, I didn't mean for that to happen, but it'll do. And we're all the it'll do creations. But Genesis tells us that you are not an it will do creation. You are actually a good creation created by God. You are not an afterthought to him. God has always seen you as valuable and with a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, he didn't just think about your first day. He also thought about your last day and every day in between. He had a plan for every single day of your life. He has a purpose for you. And you know, as we're thinking about this, you were appointed, meaning you were set apart. You were designated for something. But maybe you ask the question, well, how do I know what I'm appointed for? How do I know what I'm set apart for? And here's the answer. We learn to recognize the voice of God. We learn to recognize the voice of God. Now, to illustrate this, I want to tell you a story about a man named Samuel. If you've never read his story, you can read it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. But I'm just going to paraphrase it for you due to time. And so Samuel was serving maybe what we would call now terms like a mentor. And they were living in the same place. And Eli was mentoring and raising up Samuel. And Samuel was caring for him in his older age. And so this was their relationship. And so one night, Eli goes to bed and Samuel goes to bed. And as Samuel's falling asleep, he hears his name called. And so he gets up and he goes to Eli's room and he says, yes, did you call me? What do you need? And he says, Eli goes, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. And as he's about to fall asleep, he hears his name called yet again. So he gets up. He goes back to Eli's room. I heard you called me. What do you need? Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So the third time he goes back to his bed and he's about to fall asleep and he hears his name again. So he goes back to Eli and Eli says, okay, um, I didn't call you. So next time you hear your name, maybe see if it's God. Now, this is a side note. This isn't in the Bible. It's just a food for thought. I think this is really good parenting advice. Like I get really annoyed when my kids wake me up in the middle of the night. I try really hard to be super gracious to them. But after three times, I'm done. Like, y'all are better parents than me, but I'm done. So I definitely have applied Eli's life and be like, hey, you know what, sweetheart? I think it's time to just talk to the Lord about this and see if he can help you fall asleep, okay? Okay, don't wake me up again. Now, that's again, my paraphrase, don't read it. It's not in the Bible. Eli was a much better leader than I am, and he was so much more gracious with Samuel. So Samuel goes back to his bed, and for the fourth time, he hears his name called. And he says, okay, maybe it's God. I'll ask him. And God begins to download something in his life. God begins to show him something for the future and God begins to use Samuel to move the ball forward in what he was wanting to do. 
But the part of the story I want us to really learn from is that if we do not learn to recognize the voice of God, we will run back to what is familiar. See, Samuel didn't know the voice of God, and so he would run back to what was familiar, which was Eli. And here's the problem with that. There are good things and there are bad things that we run to. When we are on the brink of uncertainty or on the brink of something new or something unknown to us, we may run back to an addiction. We may run back to a bad relationship. We actually may run to a parent or a mentor or something that is good. And the problem wasn't that Samuel kept going to Eli. The problem was that he went to Eli first. See, if you are going to anyone but God first, you are going to the wrong place. And here's the problem with that. The more voices you invite in, the, more, the harder it will be for you to discern if God's in it. The more worldly voices that you bring into the conversation, you will now go, wait, wait, now I don't know which one was God and which one was the people, which is why we always go to God first. That word recognize means to identify as something or someone previously seen or known to you. This verse that we've been camping out, verse five for this point, in the message translation, it says this, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. Listen, if you wanna know if God has set you apart, answer this question, were you created by him? The Bible tells me you were. So you have been set apart by God and designated to himself for something that is uniquely picked out for you. But I love what this verse says because it says, that's what I had in mind for you. See, the enemy also has set you apart and has a plan for you and he would love to designate you for something that is not what God has called you to. But see, God has also said, I wanna set her apart. I wanna set him apart and designate him to myself. And now it is up to us which path we will choose. It is up to us that if we will step in to what God has called us to. But realize this, that an appointing is not enough. You are appointed, that is a sealed deal, but it is not enough. So the second point is, I am anointed by God. I am anointed by God. See, there's a difference between being appointed and anointed. There are a lot of people who are appointed but not yet anointed, and what they do is they end up hurting people and themselves. For instance, when I was in kindergarten, um, I, it was my very first day, and I was all of five years old. I was brilliant to say I was probably the smartest five-year-old I would ever know. And so I showed up to kindergarten, and I had a day, and I got home. And my mom was like, you are mad. What are you so mad about? Like, how was your day? I was like, it was terrible. Why? What happened? I was like, well... Uh, the teacher wasn't doing a good job. And so I, I tried to teach for her and she got mad and wouldn't let me and I got in trouble. But she wasn't doing a good job and I knew I could do it better than her. That was me. I was appointed to be a teacher. I was not yet anointed to be a teacher. And there's a lot of people and the biggest difference is not um, an achievement. The biggest difference is time and time spent. How have you spent your time? See, ability will come with the appointment, but the power and the grace will come with the anointment. You will get the ability at birth. You have it in you. He set you apart for something that is so unique for you. It is yours. The ability is within you. But the only way you're gonna get the grace and the power to actually walk it out and live in it 
is by getting, going through the anointing. Let's look at Jeremiah's life. In verse nine, it says, then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. This uh, scripture is a parallel scripture to Isaiah six, which says this, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal and he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then he heard the Lord ask, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. And the Lord replied, yes, go. Here's what happens. When God wants to anoint you, he's gonna have to burn some things off of you. He's going to have to place something on you that feels like you're being burned so that he can remove the sins and the guilt and all of the things that will actually hold you back. You know, when I thought about this, I was reminded, I've heard this preached before about the olive that comes to become an, an oil in the end. And so I'm, I'm not very good with outdoor things or farming or plants or cooking or any of those things at all. And um, so I YouTubed it like every other millennial in the world does. And so I YouTubed it and I learned, here's how you take an olive to oil, okay? They have these little rakes that they go through and they pick up all the oils off of the branches. And nowadays, modern technology actually created a machine that will just shake it so that all of the olives will come off. After they're all off of what they were attached to, they then prune it so that it removes the twigs and the leaves. Once it has been pruned, it goes through a washing and a purifying. So they wash the olive and then it comes to the least favorite part of the pressing. But something I learned very interesting in the pressing season is that if an olive gets too hot during that pressing, it will lose value. After it has been pressed, it will be a thick pulp and they will take that pulp and they will begin to squeeze it. And this is the first sight of oil. But that is not where it stops. They then take that oil and they put it through a filtration system to remove all of the residue so that only the most valuable and pure olive oil is what is stored and used. Now, in case you didn't jump ahead of me, this is very similar to the process of an anointing. You are handpicked by God. He picked you right from wherever you were. For me, I was in a broken, um, empty garage when I cried out to God and he just picked me up right where I was. But then there's this pruning process where he removes all the twigs and the leaves and maybe in our language, we would say the bitterness and the sin and the jealousy and the contentment and all the things that hold us back from what God's called us to do. He begins to prune us. And then he begins to wash us and purify us. And then it comes to our all-time favorite part. Everyone loves this part, the pressing. The pressing where he just begins to press on all the things. But can I give you just a little bit of advice that I learned from the real olives turning into oil? Don't get too hot during this process because you may just rob yourself of some value. Listen, don't get bitter. Don't get frustrated with the process. Don't get angry. Don't try to rush through it because you may just lose some of the value that you need if you try to rush. And then just when you think he's done with the pressing, he goes, oh yeah, now we're gonna squeeze. And you may feel like the life is being squeezed out of you and you're gonna be squeezed, but this is the first sight where you're gonna see the pulp and the oil that's starting to come. But don't stop there because I know some people that do. Don't stop there because then you're gonna go through filtration where you're gonna remove the residue so that only the most valuable and pure anointing will come across you so that the value of the word of God is pure that comes through you. 
That is when the anointing is in you where God can use it because it's now been through a process. See, but here's the other thing. Sometimes we think that anointing comes with age. We go, yeah, yeah, but when I become this or when I reach this age or when I do this, here's the reality. You could be 90 and never be anointed because anointing doesn't come with an age. It comes with the process. The question that you will have to answer is, are you willing to go through the process? And this is not a one-time process. You're going to need a fresh anointing for new doors that open up, new things that he calls you to. You're going to need something new in that season. And so you're going to have to go through a process. So the question will be, are you going to submit in this process? Are you going to walk out the process even when you're uncomfortable? Is it too much about your convenience or about God's glory? And you will be anointed if you walk through the process. But here's the next thing. The third point is, I am advanced by God. See, you're, you're set up, you're set apart, you're designated for God. That's a done deal. Anointing is all if you want it. It's just go through the process and it's gonna happen. It's a done deal. The process happens and you will be anointed. But now, if you'll walk with God, he'll advance you. So here's the truth of this. And I'm gonna take a quick little left turn, but I promise you I'll tie it all together on this third point, okay? So we're advanced by God. I am advanced by God. You are advanced by God. Let me take a quick turn. Before I do that, um, I read this story this week where a Sunday school teacher was teaching her Sunday school students about uh, the 10 commandments. And she had just finished teaching about honoring your father and your mother. And a little kid raised their hand and they said, um, is there any commandments that teach about how to treat your siblings like your brothers and your sisters? And without missing a beat, a little boy goes, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> that might help you this week. Okay, left turn, here we go. Romans 8, verse 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. When I was reading this scripture, I was actually reading a commentary and then I kind of dove into some of the Greek words. And so what I'd like to do, if you'll stick with me, is I want to break down some Greek words that are used in the scripture. And then I'm going to give you an image that I hope we hold on to forever, okay? So let me just break down some words. The first word I want to break down is the word help. It says the Holy Spirit helps us. That word help is compounded of three words in the Greek. The first one is son, which means to do something in conjunction with someone else. The second word is anti, which means against. And then the third word is lambano, which I know if you speak Greek or you've studied it, that is a very Texan way of saying it. I'm sorry. Um, so here's what it means, though. It means to take or receive. So when you put all of these words together, it means to take hold of something with someone. Gripping it together as tightly as possible and throwing your combined weight against it to move it out of the way. This would convey a partnership and a cooperation to remove an obstacle. The next word I want to break down is weakness. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. That word literally means spiritually weak. He comes to help us in situations that we are just simply too weak, that by ourselves we don't know what it takes to get the job done. The next word I want to break down is that word, what. It says we don't know what to pray, okay? Greek word, that means very little thing. We don't know the fine points or the hidden problems or the intricate details of what is involved in the matter that we're praying about. Left to ourselves, we simply don't have the ability to see the whole picture in a comprehensive view. 
We don't have the know-how to deal with the smallest details, the entirety of the possible challenges that could come with this problem that we're facing, this obstacle. Okay, so that's what. Now, the next word I want to break down is the word ought. Now, in some versions, the version I didn't read, it didn't say ought, but in some versions it says we don't know what we ought to pray. Okay, so here's what that means. It means necessary. We don't know how to pray according to the need as is necessary to pray or as the need exactly demands. And then the last word I want to break down is intercession. It says the Holy Spirit prays for us. Another version may say he intercedes for us. He's interceding on our behalf. That word intercession is this really long Greek word that I'm not even going to try to say. But here's what it means. To fall into with coming together in experience or meeting with. So I know I just gave you a whole lot of uh, school. I know you didn't plan for that. Neither did I, but it's great. Here we go. So here's the image that I want you to gather. Okay. I'm going to put it in our terms. Let's say you walk outside your front door and somebody has dropped this massive boulder in your way and you cannot move it. And so you call a friend and you're like, Hey, can you come help me? I've got to move this boulder. And together you two tightly grip this boulder that's in your way and you grip it with everything you have. And together, you both put your combined weight into moving this boulder. And because you did it together, you were able to move it. See, God is trying to show us in this passage that prayer is not passive, but it's active. He's trying to tell you that you are divinely designed to be partnered with the Holy Spirit in the obstacles that you face. And let's look at Jeremiah's life. This actually happened in his life. Just a few verses past where we stopped earlier, he begins to have this conversation with God. And God begins to say, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he tells him what he sees. And then God reiterates, and they have this whole conversation. And in that conversation, God is preparing. God is stepping in to the situation with Jeremiah. But I want to pick up in verse 17 and read this to you. It says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured. Like an iron pillar or a bronze wall, you will stand against the whole land, the kings, the officials, the priests, and the people of Judah. They will fight, they will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, God partners with Jeremiah. He says, hey, listen, you're going to go fight them. They're going to fight you. But here's the reality of it. I will be with you. I will be with you. I I think sometimes, let me explain like why this is such a big deal for me, because maybe not for you, but in my prayer life, there have been times where I say, hey, God, would you mind just dealing with that obstacle? Like, just take care of it for me, right? And I just, I want him to just go do it. And he goes, oh, sweetheart, um, I'm not going to do it for you, but I will do it with you. I, 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 oh, I'm not going to just move that out of the way. But if you'll invite me in, together, we can tightly grip this and put our combined weight into it. He has wisdom that you don't have. He has understanding that you do not have. He has a familiarity with the problem that you're facing that you do not have. He has everything you need. He has a strength that you don't have. It just said when you're spiritually weak, he's made strong. In his weaknesses, I made strong. This is what the Bible tells us. He has what you're missing to get through the obstacle that you're facing. Jeremiah, because of his partnership with God, was able to move the ball forward. 
Samuel, if we jump back to Samuel, when we earlier talked about him, because of Samuel and his partnership with God and listening to the voice of God, God used him in a mighty way to move the ball forward and advance the kingdom. Look at Joshua's life. Because of his partnership with God, he was able to take over a city and advance the kingdom of God. Look at Esther. Because of her partnership with God, she was able to save a next generation, and she was able to lead and to move the ball forward and advance the kingdom of God. All throughout the Bible, because of partnership with God, the kingdom is advancing. I'm wondering today, what would happen if you partnered with God? What would be advanced in the kingdom of God if you said, you know what, God, I'm partnering with you on this. I'm not going to try to do it on my own, and I'm not going to expect you to do it on your own. But together, you and I will partner, and we will tightly grab this, and we will move the ball forward. God is the only one that has appointed you. He is the only one that will anoint you, and he is the only one that can advance you. And ultimately, the goal is to advance the kingdom of God. Several weeks ago, we were at dinner with some friends here in the church, and in the middle of dinner, we got a text from our babysitter who said, uh, Preston has locked himself in his room, and the lights are out, and he's freaking out. Do you happen to have a key? And I was like, no. So I walked away from the table. By the time I called her, they had figured out how to get the lights on in his room, but I could hear him in the background just screaming, and he was so scared. He was losing his mind, and I said, hey, why don't you put me on speaker and put the phone as close to the door as you can? She goes, okay. She goes, you're on speaker, and I said, hey, Preston, mommy. I was like, it's okay, buddy. Calm down. Listen, I can get you out of the room, okay? You're safe. Nothing's wrong. Everything's going to be totally fine. I can get you out of the room. I just need you to calm down. And I heard as his little cry began to soften and his breathing began to slow. And I said, hey, buddy, do you see that little bitty knob in the middle of the door handle? And he said, yeah. I said, turn it towards your basketball goal and away from your closet. And immediately he was able to open the door. Why? Because somebody who was more familiar with the situation that had wisdom that he did not have was invited into the situation that unlocked where he needed to go. Did you catch it? There is someone that you can invite in to your locked room. He was basically having a panic attack and you and I have them all the time. And we're locked in a room and we don't know how to get out. We don't know how to get to the next thing God's calling us to. We're freaking out. And if we would only invite the Holy Spirit in who has a familiarity to the situation, who has an understanding of how you're uniquely wired, that he can calm you with just his voice. That he can say, hey, I have the wisdom to tell you. I know where your basketball goal is. I know how that doorknob works. I know how it works. And he can lead you. He didn't, I didn't unlock the door. Y'all, I was freaking out before I called her. I didn't know how to unlock the door. I was going to break the window if I had to. I had no idea. But he did. Listen, you don't have to know your way out. You just need to listen to the voice that does. You just need to invite him in. You need to bring his wisdom and his strength and you need to lean into the voice of God and watch him work with you, not for you, work with you to unlock the key to your future. You have everything you need. Oh, friend, you have been set apart by God. You have been set apart with a purpose uniquely and divinely designed by God for something that is so specific to you. Listen, you are designated for him but that's up to you to choose. If you'll walk through the process, he'll anoint you for everything he's called you for. He'll put everything you need fully equipped 
everything that is necessary. He will give it to you. He has all of the resources. There's none that he lacks. The question will be, will you invite him in to this situation? Will you invite him in to the obstacle you face, into the room that you're losing your mind in, into the addiction that you can't break free from? Will you invite him in and watch him help you unlock the door? Because he has everything you need. I want to ask you just to close your eyes for just a second. And we're going to close this service like we always do. But I want to take just a few seconds right here in this moment. And I want you to ask the question that we ask every single Sunday. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Elaine, you talk about being intricately created by a God that I I don't even know if I realize that. I didn't know that I wasn't a mistake when even though my mom thought I was a mistake, I, I didn't know that he actually thought about me before I was ever formed in her womb. I didn't know that there was a God that loved me that much, that thought about every single day of my life. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I understood that the enemy had an assignment on my life and I was following that, but today I want to break that and I want to follow the appointment that God has placed on my life. The difference between the assignment and the appointment is the appointment is a partnership, it's a relationship, it's a love. The enemy just wants you to do. God wants to love you in a relationship. And maybe today you need to say, God, I want that with you. I choose you. Maybe you chose it many years ago like I did in an empty garage. Or maybe today you need to choose him for the first time. Whatever it is, I want right now in your heart just to say, God, I choose you. As he continues to open opportunities for you, as he continues to open doors for you, you're gonna need a fresh anointing. You can't do it without the anointing. So today I'm asking you, would you submit to the process? Don't let anger come in. Don't let bitterness or jealousy come in in this moment. Just submit to the process. You're not too young. You're not too old. There's a fresh anointing for today available to you. And then whatever you're facing, whatever that obstacle is, whatever the boulder is, whatever the locked room you're in, I just want right now, as the Holy Spirit begins to speak in your heart, I just want him to calm you down, to calm your heart and calm your mind. One word from him can settle us. And I want for you to just invite him in to give you the wisdom that you need to unlock what's in your future. You are uniquely designed. You are divinely designed for partnership with God and only he can do it in your life. As soon as I close in prayer, I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come forward and and we're gonna all open the altar. If you need prayer for anything at all, whether it's something I said in this message, whether it's something totally unrelated, please don't leave here the same. God is ready to do something in your heart. He's ready to remove that burden. He's ready to partner with you and move it out of the way. And let us join you in prayer 
So as soon as I say amen, we're gonna stand and then you can come forward and our prayer team's gonna be ready. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that your word would fall afresh on your people. Lord, I pray that you would calm our hearts, that you would step into the rooms that are causing us anxiety and fear and stress. Lord, I pray that we would tightly grip the boulder that is in front of us with you and move it out of the way. Lord, I pray that today we would realize that we are appointed by you, that we were set apart Despite what the world has said, despite what the world has tried to attach to us, we are not a mistake. We were purposely made by you and created for a future and a hope. And God, we choose today to submit to you because we want a fresh anointing that only the purest form of you is represented in us. And so God, right now, I just ask that you would have your way. Have your way in our lives. And Holy Spirit, would you partner with us to do what only you can do? In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.